Hello and welcome to the New Dawn podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Lusht. I don't want to give too much away in the intro about this week's guest, except to say that Sophie Leone is an incredible and very inspirational woman. For a long time, she was a detective in the Suffolk Police, and through a series of extreme life events, everything changed. In our conversation, we talk about her new book, what it feels like to almost die, and how to tap into our own creativity with the power of rest. Sometimes I find these introductions really challenging to capture the beauty and the spirit of the conversation. So today I want to create space to allow you to explore Sophie's words in your ears. I hope you love this conversation as much as I did. And so without further ado, here's Sophie. Hello Sophie, welcome to the New Dawn podcast. I am delighted to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here as well and thank you so much for inviting me. I've been listening to um, some of your episodes and um, <laughs> the quality of your guests is so good. <laughs> so yeah, well, a little nervous you. perhaps, but so pleased to be here. Well, what I try and focus on with these conversations is about inviting people who are inspiring and have a good story and are completely relatable uh, and inspiring. And you are all of those things. And so you have every right to be here. And I'm, I cannot wait to dive uh, deeply into our conversation today. And so thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so Sophie, um, you for those of uh, for those who are listening who haven't come across you before, um, you've got such a fascinating story. Uh, let's start off though with the randomness, if there is such a thing, of how we came to know each other. Do you want to tell that story? Yeah, sure. So, I suppose it's quite new age the way we came to know one another because it was via social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'm not so surprised about that because I met my other half through uh, the internet anyway. <laughs> um, but yes, I think we were both following the same person from Australia um, who then set up a separate group in another, on another platform. It was on Telegram, uh, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, it, yeah. And then I, um, and this person gave a shout out for people around the world who were setting up their own communities. And I saw your name pop up and you said that you were from Essex and I'm in Suffolk. And I thought, oh, who's this girl? You know, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get in touch with her. Anyway, so I noted your name down and then um, I stalked you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> On Instagram. I love because... a good stalking. <laughs> <laughs> Needed to check the girl out first, you know, check out the credentials. Um, and then I thought, yeah, that's her. She seems, she seems all right. <laughs> and then um, I contacted you. I think that's how we did it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just uh, I contacted you, and I think I'd noticed about you had some French connection and all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. And then it started from there. Yeah, it, it was yeah. really um, just very simple, very uncalculated. It just kind mm. of felt a bit like one. Day, I think I remember thinking one day, I speak to this woman a lot. How do I know her? <laughs> <laughs> There's something that keeps drawing me back to the things that you're talking about and obviously the 
when you were uh, you shared quite a bit of stuff in French, um, and I'm like, yes, me, I can speak French aussi. Uh, let's speak together. And you were like, oh yes, we oui, we. Oui. <laughs> not yeah. quite like that, but well, yeah, but it well, it went something a little bit like that. And I think you know that that's right. You kind of begin to look into similarities and. Um, but yeah, I think I think I do. I, I, I'm starting to see that that's my mo, my modus operandi when it comes to meeting people. I kind of yeah, <laughs> I'll check out, you know, what 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 the gen is, you know, and then mm. and then I, I go in, <laughs> I go in. I'm not frightened to just go and meet people. And I thought that uh, maybe this period in time had kind of knocked that out of me a little mm. bit, you know, oh, really. But it hasn't. I'm finding that no, I'm quite comfortable with. Um, going up to people and going hi this is me well that, I like you you want to be my friend <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting isn't it because before you we jumped on uh, this call uh, we were just talking about the fact that you're a manifesting generator for six in human yeah. design and your four is all about social networks so yes, yes I, I don't think that ever really truly leaves a line for that need or want or desire for connection and community and creating contacts and things like that um so thank the lord for people like you sophie (laughs) who keep the community going we all have a purpose exactly (laughs) rightly said um so i want to get into your story sophie because when i found out your your jam and what you're doing and where you've come from my mind was blown like you've got such a unique story um and I've not come across anybody who's had the journey that you've had from the places that you've had and yeah so I want to ask questions but I want to first introduce who what you are who you are or where you came from so can you start off telling us a little bit about um well actually let me just preface all of that by saying you've written a fucking awesome book oh wow (laughs) yes I have (laughs) (laughs) exactly um and so the end point well the current end point of your journey is this book uh but I want to start off at how this book came into being and where you started from so Sophie what's it all about (laughs) what's it all about wow um so um, so if I start with the book and kind of what it covers, because essentially the book is about my journey of the past few years. And, um, I'll start it by saying that in October, 2020, I resigned from my job and I was a detective sergeant with Suffolk police. Now I was on a career break at the time. But I had been in the police for 15 years, so 17 if you count the career break in there, which is a long time. And this was a vocation, a calling that I went into all those years ago when I was 25, as keen as mustard. It was like entering a sweet shop and I I really thought the world was my oyster. And I thought, great, I have the security of knowing I'm going to be paid well um, and I don't have to worry at all about that side of things. I've joined for, and it was 30 years, 
And there are so many different departments and so many different things I can go and explore. I can have, I can really just fill my cup with all of this. Um, And I had it all mapped out. You know, I thought, well, when I retire, I will be at least the rank of detective inspector. But I wanted to climb the ranks. I wanted to run the organization. I wanted to really lead and, and, and make change, you know, for the better and serve people. And, you know, as things happen, you know, different things go on in your life. And I started just seeing some changes through getting promoted, uh, things becoming more challenging, not because I was making them challenging, because I know how to um, deal with a challenge. I, I love that. You know, I have that curiosity of why we behave in a certain way. But I was just it was things were just I I noticed my mood changing and and there was just an energy and at the time I just wasn't really tuned into that kind of thing I then became pregnant with child number one and uh, I was never somebody who had always desired to have children um not at all um but I met my other half who's a little bit younger than me um and and I thought it was going to be a piece of cake, this whole motherhood malarkey. I thought, you know, I'm super organized. I've done night shifts in the past. Who needs sleep anyway? This is going to be so easy. And don't even think you're going to hang out with mums having coffee and cake because I've got nothing in common with them. You know, I'll have my baby. I'll go back to work. And the universe had quite other plans in that basically it just split me wide open in so many ways. And, you know, it just completely discombobulated me. And I feel like I was almost thrown into space. <laughs> like, you know, and the gravitational forces were just like stretching me in all sorts of directions. And it was just this echo around me. I didn't recognize my world. I didn't recognize the inner world. And, and it this whole period was about me trying to find an anchor somewhere to hold on to. And I, um, and I genuinely, at the time thought, well, I, I went mad the first six months. I think I literally went mad because I did not know who I was. Um, and uh, by that point, um, I, I mean, I'd already been practicing yoga and I, and I thought, well, actually, I was hanging around new mums and I was quite enjoying it and we were all really tired we were all achy and I thought well I know maybe I'll train to teach a bit of yoga so I was doing I did that during my maternity leave um, and then I set up a business and then I went back to the police part-time um, and then fell pregnant again I had my daughter and then following the birth I had a near-death experience Wow. Um, yeah. And um, what happened? So um, whilst pregnant with Eleanor, um, I was working part time in the police and I was also running a business of teaching yoga. And I went off to Portugal to learn pregnancy um, yoga. And I actually became introduced then. And that's a quite a key part to the story. I began to be introduced to more feminine aspects of yoga practice, womb yoga, um, and the concept of resting. And I think really what it was is I was loving those concepts. I was talking about the concepts, but I wasn't embodying the concepts. 
So um, with Eleanor, I chose to have a home birth. Um, had my mum there um, and the home birth went exactly as planned. It was amazing. I did not want to go into hospital, which is what I did with my son. And I just loved the idea of just waking up in bed and just just being at home, you know, just as naturally as possible, eating the food that I wanted to eat, not having to wait for somebody to tell me when I could leave the hospital, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and um, so I'd given birth, uh, all was well, uh, nothing, you know, not, not aided, assisted, no interference, nothing. The midwife just was in a corner. Um, and then they left. So, yeah, the midwives ended up leaving and we all went to bed. And I remember she was in her little box kind of on the side of the bed, Eleanor, my daughter. And uh, I just... Yeah, I suddenly felt like I was having um, these contractions again, and I didn't really know what was happening. And I suddenly thought, have I got another baby in here? You know, it really felt like. Um, and so I got up and went to the toilet, and I was just bleeding everywhere just so much blood so much blood and I thought okay well this is this is fine you know what I can and I was trying to remember whether the you know it had happened like that with with Leo and I couldn't really remember and I remember just sitting down holding onto the radiator rail and I just felt like literally the life was draining out of me and I just thought well maybe it's because I'm going into shock so I just need to breathe you know it's okay and I remember my mum coming out of the bedroom Mark was more concerned about <laughs> getting the spray out to clean the carpet, <laughs> and it was like oh you know it's fine let's just in fact let's just get some towels we'll rip them up I'll shove them you know and it'll be absolutely be fine and that was it really but then I was just I woke up again really quite violently and and something was just came out of my vagina and it was just this huge blood clot which had come out and um and I and I freaked out because I just thought oh my gosh okay there's something wrong here and it that it, it, it was just a bloodbath there was just blood everywhere and I, yeah, and I just said to Mark, I said, you need to be ringing an ambulance right now because because I can't, I, I, whereas, so it was just downstairs where I had given birth, I knew exactly what I was doing, you know, it was, it was, it was exactly as I had wanted it. And I knew the process of things. I knew that I, there would be a baby at the end of the process, but I was in this place of, not being in control at all and my body just expelling stuff and my body contracting and trying to, to heal itself and it was about me trying to just get myself together and um anyway I remember they they got the midwife to come back out because actually she lived around the corner and then a series of um yeah, a series of things happened. I just remember just, yeah, I was just going in and out of consciousness. I remember just banging on the wall because my mum was in the bedroom behind and trying to say, come, come in here. And I, I just could feel literally the life draining out of me. And, and then I just remember the, 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 the midwife, you know, she was checking me and she kept apologizing. And I was like, it's not, it's don't worry, don't worry, just do what you've got to do. It's absolutely fine, you know. And just this awareness of being like in and out of, of consciousness and, and kind of thinking, oh, this is a really bizarre thing. And then the paramedics coming and then these, and I just remember, I mean, I, I, 
I've written about it, not in the book, but in, in another place. Um, and I just remember these tattooed arms and these men. And I remember thinking how so many times during the course of my job in the police, I've watched paramedics at work, working on other people. And this time it was me they were working on. And what a bizarre sensation that was because I've never, ever needed anything like that. I mean, you know, I've never broken a bone in my life. You know, I've never done anything like that. Um, and I remember at one point, so they put on an oxygen mask um, and they said, you know, you're losing a lot of blood. We need to take you in. And then I remember them saying to me, we're going to sit you up and you're probably going to lose consciousness while we do that because you have lost a lot of blood. But don't worry, we will get you back in the ambulance. And I remember at that point and I couldn't speak. I couldn't say I was just completely all the only place I was in was my heartbeat. I just remember this was it was like this voided this this void of this echo of a boom 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 and I remember thinking well that's it that's the beginning and the end this is a space like no other and that's the only thing that I have right now that's the anchor and I remember hearing them saying you know we're we're going to um you're probably going to lose consciousness, but we'll get you back in the ambulance. And I remember thinking, no fucking way. I've just had a baby. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> this, is absolutely no this is happening. <laughs> and then, yes, I just remember being lifted and then whatever, you know, happened and then feeling the, it was, it was a bit, um, there was little drips of rain. It was a September, you know, and I felt those on my skin as they took me into the ambulance. And then just this really weird journey of them talking to me, you know, like, are you with us, Sophie? Are you with us? And then just being wheeled into this theater. And it was just, it felt like I was in a scene out of casualty. I mean, I don't watch it anymore, but I just remember laying down and then opening my eyes and there was all these faces on top of me and this doctor that wouldn't hear the midwife he, he was really wanting to he wanted a debrief from the paramedics he was saying like basically you know when they go oh who's this person and what's happened and what are we doing kind of thing and she the midwife was saying well I was with her blah blah and he was saying not you I want to speak to the paramedics and I really wanted to say oi dickhead she's the one who knows <laughs> she's the one who's been with me all along you know not the paramedics um but yeah and then him saying um Something like, oh, uh, something like, uh, uh, in fact, what was it that he said? Something like, uh, are you are you okay? Are you happy with us to save your life or something like that? And I remember thinking, what fucking stupid question? Like, <laughs> gonna go, um, no, just leave me, leave me to die. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm done. Wow. I didn't even know that was a question that they asked. I don't think that was a question right now. Probably something like, are you happy for us to? Are you happy for us to? Maybe it was to resuscitate or something. Yeah, like if things go wrong. Oh, I anyway. See. Mm-hmm. But then I just had this vision of um, this operating theatre, so many people in there, and everything was so bright and light. And this is where, you know, my. I don't, I can't say for sure what I saw, but I, I remember those. So there was definitely a nurse and she must have been the anaesthetist who said to me, you know, that, and they were, you know, putting things in both my arms. And she said, we're going to now count you down. But as she was, you know, to, to go under. And as, as she was doing that, I just remember like just bright 
lights, whether they were beings, whether they were the people in the room or whatever. This makes me quite emotional. But I knew I was held. And, um, and, and that was it. I went under. They did what they had to do. And I then went back because I needed to know exactly what had happened to my body. Not because I needed to know the answers, but because it's important. You know, my body is sacred and I want to know if you've been in there and what you've done because it's going to have an impact on me because I might not know it, but my cells have felt it. So um, so all of that um, needed time. Um, and I had, yeah, three pints of blood put back in uh, to me. Um, and then I remember in the morning when they wheeled me and I had, uh, <laughs> they packed my vagina um to 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 stem the bleeding um and i had a catheter i mean i've never i basically went from a natural birth with absolutely nothing to all of a sudden being on morphine having a vagina packed with a water balloon you know to stop <laughs> you know just to, to put pressure against mm-hmm. when the bleeding was to stop it um and then I remember, what was it, it was about eight, seven, eight o'clock in the morning, and I opened my eyes, and my mum and my, yeah, Mark were, were there with Eleanor. My friend had my son. And I opened my eyes, and the first thing I said was, You haven't given her formula, have you? <laughs> <laughs> and they'd said to me, Oh, you might not be able to breastfeed. And I remember looking at them thinking, Is that From the drugs. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think so. I think, I think I will. And I put her on and off she went. And it was just, yeah. And so that was a, obviously a mega part of, of the, the journey to uh, discernment and knowing and, and knowing that this was not, this had not happened to me because I was a victim of something. I know you talk about the word victim a lot. This had been sent because... I needed to take notice. This was a, a rage of woman, of womb, of um, abuse, um, of, of something that needed to be said and something that needed to be heard. What, um, what do you mean? I, I, I don't think that your body always reacts to something that happens whether it's emotionally or physically there's there's always a a back and forth communication and I think for me I I was meant to live I was meant to be here you know I was meant to be saved and I don't think that I went through all of that to then carry on with my life and go back in the police and and still keep going around in circles. So it felt so, like a, like a, a circuit breaking moment. Absolutely, and almost like a this this calling of, you know, you keep talking about this feminine resting and honouring of of all that you have and all that you are. You're bleeding, all of that. So what you're going to do about it, really? What does that really mean to you? Are you really going to talk about it? How bold and audacious can you be about these things? And it just changed my life, basically. Um, And I'd always written, always written. 
Um, but from the point when Eleanor's about six months old is when I started writing every day, every day without fail. Um, what were you spend... writing? Well, it was like a journaling, I guess, you know, like a journaling. And I remember because um, I was feeding her. So she was up at kind of sporadic times, but I would make sure that I was uh, awake, whether it was five or five thirty. And I would put my pillows on top of my knees and I'd pull out my notebook and it was literally just emptying the stuff that was in my mind. I just felt I just needed to. I just needed to write and and write and write and write reams of stuff. And I was so committed to it. Uh, and I so there's a lot of people who uh, I've worked with or who listen to this podcast who actually really struggle with that practice. Um, so. <clears throat> Since you're somebody who's really used it, it's a bit like morning pages in the artist way, right? Yes, yes. And I did read that. I did read yeah. the artist way. So the idea, um, f- because people get stuck in their own heads. I just want to pause on this mo- this bit because I get a lot of questions about journaling because for mm. me it's a really integral part of um, becoming aware of my own thought patterns and then creating distance so I can... Um, yeah, just have awareness about them and choose what I want to do. But people often ask me, well, what do I write about? How would you answer that question? Mm. Get out of your own way and actually write, I do not know what to write. I do not know what to write. I'm writing a load of shit. I'm wasting pen and paper. Why have I picked up a black pen? Why have I picked up a green pen? I think I'm going to doodle. I'm so fucking shit. Blah, 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 blah. That's it. You're not producing this for anybody. And in fact, I would say, actually, then, why do you want to journal? Do you want to journal because somebody has told you it's a good idea? Or do you like the idea of it? And if you like the idea of it, why? And you'll know, because it's not for everybody. Other people have different practices. But you'll know when you pick up your pen whether you can find a sense of play with the fact that on some days you're literally going to write, um, this is shit, this is shit, I am shit, I am shit. And then on the next day, you might just start thinking, actually, I'm going to talk to myself like I'm a bit of a friend. Oh, so today I did this and yesterday I did that and I didn't sleep very well. And, And I think as you then build the commitment and the regularity, it becomes like a, it's like your own little therapy session. And what I noticed was I was like towards the end of when I was writing for that day, the words that were coming were almost not from me, you know, all of the, I would say the nice stuff that you would tell a friend, but you would never really tell yourself. And I was saying to myself, you can do this. You're amazing. I was going through, you know, my achievements in inverted commas. You know, it was like, actually, I was finding that it was a way to G myself up, you know, to do whatever it was that I wanted to do, whether it was to carry on building the yoga side of the business, uh, making decisions as to whether I would go back to the police and what that meant. And it was just but I didn't, I didn't censor, I didn't critique myself, I just let the pen flow, I let the ink flow. Um, 
So that would be the advice I would give to anybody who's journaling is you just get your head, you'll get yourself out of the way first. And it might be that writing's not the thing for you. It might just be doodling. Maybe you can't put words to a page yet. Maybe it's just scribbling. But the first challenge is to get yourself out of the way and for you to create the space and not have any expectations as to what is going to come out. There's no expectation for you to sit there and write the next New York Times best-selling novel. It doesn't work like that anyway, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Not so... that I have any experience of that. But, <laughs> I, I, I do have, <laughs> but I do have experience of the creative process. I do... Hmm. That I do, you know, everything that I do or put together or bring out into the world is definitely, I've definitely been through a creative process and it's, it always starts out unidentified uh, mm. and then through refinement, it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. So yes. uh, to, to put expectation or any kind of form on something that is kind of formless and doesn't want to be judged, um, I think is a good place to start (laughs) to not do that. So out of your writing, what Mm. did you start to notice? I noticed I was tired. Mm. I noticed the parts of my body that were in pain. I began to speak to those parts through my writing almost in a conversation style, question and answer. Um, And I began to, yeah, I I, I suppose it was clarity from the fog, you know, clarity out of the fog. But the biggest realisation was um, you need to create space for yourself. Whatever it is you're going to do in that space, but it's crucial. Because it's your time to be. It's your time to allow for um, your soul's whispers to come through. And you don't get that when you're in the superficial layers of life, when you're in the busyness of life. Um, And you can't, you know, it's difficult when you've got children, you know, to be in that constant kind of meditative state. And you're not meant to be anyway, because you're there to experience life as a human being, yeah? Um, But we receive important messages when we take space. And for me, the writing practice was an essential daily practice, but also a practice of yoga nidra. So 15 minutes of laying down every day. And this was like, in the family, it was like, you know, like, mama's taking 15 minutes to lay down um and to this day I do this and then I trained to facilitate yoga nidra and it was just the beginning then of the creative desires that started to really kind of come from the depths of me and you know it just begins to open up your child what you used to love doing, what gave you fire, what gave you goosebumps, you know, what what experience were not so pleasant, and just an assessment really of how your life has gone and, and what feels good for you and what doesn't feel good for you. And yeah, and we had to have very honest conversations where I said, look, I cannot see myself going back into that organization for now. I think I need to take a career break, which was a difficult decision. So 
So I, I did. Uh, I put a career breakdown for five years and they said yes. And I thought, well, great. I'll go back in 2023 then. And uh, yeah, and last year, after two years of career break and obviously the world going the way that it did, I just thought, no, I have, I have other things to do. And I was feeling myself really at odds with the politicizing of the police, which is not the individual's fault, but as an institution and as an organization, it just didn't sit with my integrity. And I had to do lots of work around that because actually I always, as a police officer, when I kind of identified who I was and my values, it was always honesty, integrity, I thought, but if I'm not that, then do am I not an honest person anymore? Am I not a law-abiding citizen anymore? Do I not have integrity anymore? No, no, I have all of that. But I just felt like my wings had expanded a lot wider. And that if I was to fit myself back into that system, I would have to draw them back in. And, and I just knew that wasn't good enough, that I was worth more than that. Mm. How did you know that? Because I would have to follow other people's advice in terms of if I wanted the next promotion, the advice would be, okay, well, in order to get there, you'd need to maybe take this route and that route and that route. When in my mind, it's like, no, I know I can do that job and I can get there straight away. But because of the institution, you they recommend ways to get there. Um, little things like um, systems that are employed which don't work and that just, you know, decisions that take absolutely ages to be made. Um, and I just thought, I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to play within that system because that's a system that frustrates me because I can see where the gaps are. But I knew, I'd identified that I was not the person, that my life mission was not to be in there and solve those issues. I saw it as something like, like a spaceship with its own mission. And it was my, you know, it's like I either stay in there and I do what I can to kind of, you know, uh, G the people up who are in there. Because I do see myself as somebody who inspires others, you know, and, you know, but actually, I think I saw it from a wider view, which was I saw it as a sinking ship. <laughs> and, and I also saw that there are other ways. There are other ways to, to create community uh, so that we can be safe. And I'm not saying I don't agree with policing. I think it has a role, but I think we've gone too far. And there are too many expectations placed on the human beings who are conducting those roles. And the same can be said for health. So the NHS mm -hmm. in the UK, yeah. education, you know, all of those systems where it's, it's um, yeah, it's public service, public service, where a lot, a lot is, is placed on it. And if, as I say, if it's your calling, some people are meant to be in there to rise the ranks, you know, through the ranks and to, to carry the torch. And, but for me, the compromise of my integrity, what my values are, what I stood for would be too much. Mm -hmm. So I would have been clipping my wings. So how did you, how did the book 
start mm. to materialize and and what is it I mean you yeah. mentioned it a little bit earlier what it's about but tell, talk to me more about that yeah so the book of revelations essentially is a story about leaving institution and what that is does it religious to no not at all so but this is this is the playful side of me so I thought well We've been relying on religious texts, haven't we, as like our, our rules, our moral compasses. And we do question those, you know. But the Bible is the best-selling book in the whole wide world, you know. And the last <laughs> book of the Bible is the book of Revelation. And I remember coming across it and I was thinking, what's, what's this about? And in the book of Revelation is all is apocalyptic. It's all about future visions and it's written by people who were basically would sit and meditate and basically talk about this is how this is how I see the future as being. And I thought, well, if the book of Revelation, it can be like part of the best selling book in the Bible by somebody who's written apocalyptic genre in a in an apocalyptic genre well I can bloody do that too but I'm starting and I don't have just one revelation I have plural revelations <laughs> so it's the book for the next 2000 years and more but it's bringing the balance of this very uh, masculine energy of the bible because it's and and again this is not about bashing the whole masculine thing i really don't want to mm-hmm. you know, this is not what it's about it's about readdressing the balance which has been so missing where the women have been ignored they have not been put forward and it's about bringing forth that very feminine energy and so what i found through my personal journey of leaving the police a very patriarchal system I entered this kind of very this almost goddess realm of the mother um, laying down resting nurturing holding others going through my own turmoil of but what does that say about me because I'd relied on my previous identities of someone who was bossy a leader you know who didn't give in who would give people shit if they handed me over a statement that wasn't good enough, you know, all that kind of stuff. And now I'm, am I all soft now? And I just, it was this concept of softening to find strength within. And then I realized that as I came through all the feminine, I thought, well, actually one day I re-met my masculine. I re-met this old version of myself who I I'd completely in my feminine period kind of abandoned because I thought, Oh, I was such a fool. That happens a lot. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Who did the, who the hell did I think I was to, and actually just saying, no, but she was quite badass actually, you know, like, and I liked her. So actually, can we both work in tandem? Because actually that's how, that's how it's meant to be, isn't it? How that's how you readdress the balance within yourself. And then Mm -hmm. obviously the wider, you know, the wider context of around you and the world and the universe and all that. And at the first, whole time... Sorry, mm. at first, don't you find that when there's a part of our emotions and a part of who we are or the way that we're made up, the first natural instinct is to push away from it, is to create distance, to, to make it um, null and void, like, no, you are not part of me, get away from me, leave me alone. And that act of what feels like almost extending your foot out against an uh, an old or a current part of yourself and just kind of kicking it or pushing it away. What it does is, <clears throat> I mean, it might 
feel like it's not there for a moment. It might feel like that currently it's not in your life experience, but it's still there. Energetically, it's still there. And at some point, what it wants is to be, instead of it just seeing it as its shadow aspect, it wants to be seen in its greatest aspect, in its gift aspect. I hope this isn't too ambiguous for people listening to this, but what I, the, the visual I have is almost bringing all these shadow parts of ourselves that feel uncomfortable or we reject in some way and drawing them back into ourselves and finding peace with them and then being able to integrate them into something which is its gift experience you know so as you're talking about drawing these aspects of you know what I'm not going to um I don't even know what the word is but I'm not going to shame that part of me anymore I'm going to draw it back in and pick the bits that feel really good for me and integrate it back into a whole I think that is honestly one of the most profound things you can do with our shadow yes absolutely and I think the writing process was was key in in um clarifying that because in the initial stages of when I was journaling whatever you can call it this is where you pull up the stories about what you believe about yourself so for me it was I'm all looks no substance or you know I am crap at math so I'm crap at business so I'm you know all of those things or I'm I'm rude I'm bossy I don't listen to people and you see all those things as negative and then it's that discerning between what is a story that you've made up about yourself Or does the story come from you or does it come from a belief of somebody else? And then when you've kind of worked all this out, you go, actually, that's a load of bollocks. That's got nothing to do with me. And then you've, because you're getting to know newer parts of yourself, oh, actually, no, I can be soft and gentle. Oh, so that's when you kick away the old parts of you that you may be considered a bit rude and you're like I don't want to see you again my god you don't feature in this new life of mine where I'm holding people and I'm telling people to rest and to really be kind and compassionate and self-care all that kind of stuff um but yes that's right after a while it's like but actually no I know those old stories were stories but I know that those aspects of me they were my true parts of me which are my strengths so the fact that I can tell somebody that I'm not interested in listening because they're talking a load of bullshit is not me being rude, but it's a, it, it's, it's a key part of who I am. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, well, I, 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 at least, at least I know where I am with this person. doesn't mean What's I don't reflect, you know, <laughs> for sure. And what mm. I hear when you're saying that is, um, a real reflection to a conversation I was having in the uh, circle that I hold fortnightly where people like us come together and we're sharing our stories and sharing where we are on our own personal journey development. And the topic we were talking about last night was around the the continual... uh, getting to know a new identity of yourself. So it's like each time you think you know this person and then as you shift and change and evolve and reduce your contact with the the parts of you that you don't want and increase the 
contact with the parts that you do want, your identity changes and how that feels and what that looks like. And I can see that, you know, we're, you're constantly on this journey of, well, who am I today? And whilst you don't want to contemplate your own asshole the whole time, <laughs> it's still a really interesting way to to hold your awareness of yourself that yes, you we are constantly changing our identity with the aim mm. of becoming the truest version of ourselves. Yeah, that how many layers can you really shed until you get to that root of, yeah, yeah, this is my absolute, like this is what I stand for and this is what I don't stand for because actually there's only like the yes or the no. <laughs> is there an area in between you know it's that kind mm-hmm. of that's the ultimate discernment isn't it exactly making your that. life decisions based on that so yeah and so the book is a story of what happens to a person to a human being as they detach from a process of having been in a long relationship in an invest an emotionally physically invested relationship with an institution or even a person and deciding to leave it behind to find themselves and who they are after all this time. And all the stories uh, take you on journeys of what happens inside the body, inside the mind, all of the questioning, all of the doubts, all of the joys. And it's really taking you from that journey of institution to yeah, sacred sovereignty in the end, you know, really valuing yourself. And the way that I've done it is through a series of short stories, poems, monologues, because I've talked to myself a lot and I am quite theatrical. <laughs> I have these, yeah, thespian desires. <laughs> um, and I've honoured all of these creative outlets to come through because I don't believe in fitting into one genre I think we're all unique and actually if I can self-publish a book I'm not going to have somebody tell me well it's is it fiction or non-fiction is this this or is it that I gave myself the permission to explode with all of my colors and so what's resulted what what has resulted is now 70 stories which follow an arc of progression and I can even feel as I recorded, because I've recorded the audio book, which is currently being edited. But as I recorded the audio, I could feel my voice constricted through the first parts of the book because I was talking of institution. There was a bit more anger there. And as I then let myself go and went through the different chapters, you know, one of which which is um, I haven't lost my mind. I've gained my soul where I allow myself to really um go wild in my stories and and go into dreams you know and and make a story out of a dream that I've had you know my dream visions are in these books and I and it it kind of I I feel the expansion of myself and the mind and, and the world around me as as you get towards kind of the end of the book which is in fact just the beginning and so it's kind of the rebirth of the feminine and it's got a beautiful artwork on the front, which is called the Mothership Star, um, which which is really all about what the world needs now, which is a bit more love, a bit more compassion, 
that fierce energy of, you know, I'm I'm not here to I'm not here to shame you and to coerce you into making your life decisions. I'm going to make you or allow you to understand that you live by your sword. You know, there are consequences to everything you do, but whatever happens, I love you and I'm here for you. you I know? love that. I love that. Um, what well, I've really I really love your book and oh, I I don't read it um, from cover to cover. That's not really my MO with books these days anyway. I kind of have a much more intuitive approach to it. Unless there's something that like a, well, even a manual, I probably would uh, yeah. read intuitively. But what's really beautiful about your book is you can, I've used it uh, in a sort of a, oracle divination way mm -hmm. so any particular day and I've got a couple of books that I would turn to for insight and it certainly offers that as a an, an, an adventure and experience with yeah. re reading your book and so there'll be days when I just like okay I need some Sophie insight I need some mm -hmm. insight from the world from the universe um, and I'll open it up and I'll be like oh yeah spot on exactly that you know yeah it's quite incredible and I was very aware that that would be the case that people would pick a story of the book and even now like for me you know I'll flick through and open a page and it's like oh my gosh yes those sentences are, are exactly what I needed to hear but I trust that that's because the place the writing came from was a place of me being so fully rested and allowing um, this non-censored energy to come through me and you know that I just know that no matter the context there will be there are stories in there that are so soothing comforting and there are the ones that will confront and enliven, enliven you because that's what it's about and that's this essence of mother mothership kind of you know a bit like a, akin to the God energy, you know, the masculine God energy, which is this kind of all seeing, but instead of it being a fearful energy that says, well, um, I will strike you down and I will take everything away from you. If you do not listen to my word, this is, this is just a completely different energy. This is all about just going within and, um, it's definitely a yeah. book of our times, you know, yeah. uh, I see a lot of shifting and changing that's happening in our consciousness, in humanity. It's coming up a lot in the clients that I work with who are uh, questioning what they want to offer now and how they want to offer it and um, moving from this old paradigm of the distorted masculine into a more aligned version of the masculine, but via the reclamation of their own innate feminine whether that's a, a man or a woman it doesn't really matter like all paths I feel at this point involve reconnecting the, the heart reconnecting and I know lots and lots and lots of people talk about this but very simply put the moment we start feeling from our hearts everything shifts everything changes and what your book to me represents is this almost coming out of a di or a direction 
through the dark night of the soul and what it looks like as you're coming out through the other side, like a beacon of light through the tunnel, um, a way showing manual to offer guidance as you're going through that. And what's so uniquely beautiful about that is these, this is you living your design. This is you expressing exactly what is coming through you in a very unfiltered way. And it takes quite a lot of um, trust, Uh, trust in yourself, trust that this is the design of the universe and trust that it's going to be okay to, or and including in that is a compulsion. There's almost a sense of a compulsion that I have to do this. And if I don't do it, the alternative is just to numb myself because the pain of not delivering on these kind of these kind of creative projects is so immense that the alternative is numbing. I know I've covered quite a lot of concepts in what I've just said there, but you've um, covered it spot on because it's so layered. You, you've really got it. You've really got it. (laughs) It's, it is. Yes. It's, it's my journey through and it it almost, yeah, my journey of even when I was going through that uh, near death experience of being in that tunnel, but it is all of that. And it is everything that that comes through us that wants to be heard in whatever way, shape or form. Almost like, you know, a child wouldn't censor themselves and say, oh, I need to write in this way. You know, one day they'll tell you a story about, you know, about something they've learned at school. The next day they'll tell you, they'll sing a song that just repeats the same words all over again. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> right? Yeah. And but actually we're like that too and and I think this this eclectic mix of who we are has been knocked out of us, you know, for because because we need to conform, because we need to be productive, because of all of those things. And I understand and respect the need for structure, the validity of rules, you know. I understand all of that. But I also, what I have seen is I've, I've come out of that world. I've lived that world of rigidity and rules where you only wear black socks and you only have to wear, you know, like a dark or navy blue hairband in your hair, you know, to then just really appreciating the colors of, of who we are. And you can still have your own morals and your integrity and lead whilst opening out all of your feathers <laughs> and saying, well, look, this is everything that I can do I'm showing you everything in the same way that a a five-year-old child would do I can do this and I can do this and I can do that and if it works it works and if it doesn't it doesn't but exactly as you say if I don't do it then I'm I'm cutting off oxygen to myself and that's how much I value myself right on Exactly yeah. that. Mm. Um, my um, my instinct is to try and dissect all of that and to find the nucleus of all of it, like the genesis point of what we can, the one thing we can take away that will ignite a cataclysm in people's lives in a positive way. And yet, at the same time, I... I don't think that's useful in this particular conversation. What I'd like to do is leave people in today's conversation with a feeling of inspiration and um, 
possibility possibility that there is a completely different way uh, that doesn't take self-annihilation to get to uh, a different way of living being and experiencing your own life that feels deeply fulfilling uh, deeply passionate and playful playful you've got to have the element of play you have to I have to anyway, because, you know, I love to have a laugh and I love to write silly things, silly deep things. That's how we get through. That's how things sink in, because it is all about nurturing your heart. And then your head will follow. But it's just showing your head that it doesn't have to be in charge the whole time. It's not meant to be in charge the whole time. And your heart, can hold it all. <laughs> your heart can hold it all. And then what happens in your head is it almost, it breathes a sigh of relief and goes, thank God, because actually I've been so confused. So yeah, <laughs> it's almost like, yeah, the, the heart's the sun and the head is the moon. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly, I would have said exactly those words myself. Absolutely. <laughs> That resonates on many, many levels uh, for me, for sure. I love that, Sophie. And that's it. Everything's in tandem. And all of this, it takes discipline. So we exactly that. And well, that's one of the things that you and I really um, bonded over when we first met was this element of de- detectiveism whatever you want to call it <laughs> uh, th- this approach to uncovering and <clears throat> questioning and curiosity uh, this approach to it, it is curious isn't it it's curiosity um, with an open mind not being attached to an outcome and just seeing where the breadcrumbs take you and just keep w- repeating to yourself Hmm, that's curious. Hmm, where's that taking me? <laughs> and those skills serve us so immensely well, right? Oh, God, yes. Oh, they're, if they're your drivers, then you'll be, you'll be satiated for life. Because you'll never that. be hungry. Yeah, yeah. The, the trick though with curiosity is to make sure you don't get stuck looking at and we've talked about this before uh, and I think I might have mentioned it in in the last podcast which is uh, for people who have minds like ours it's very easy to get stuck looking at the the big pile of shit uh, that's in your subconscious and looking at it from every single angle over and over and over again smelling it seeing it recognize it oh look it's dis- disintegrated a little bit more today oh look it's changed color and blah, blah, blah. and the trick is I think well maybe it's not a trick even it's a, a practice with time is to <clears throat> recognize when you've had enough of being curious about that certain thing and then let it go right yeah and you see how how do you know that it's time to let it go well, in my experience, it's when it starts feeling obsessive. 
if there's any sort of obsession about needing to understand it more and more, like a thirst and need, a drive that's connected to um, being attached almost, like almost addictively attached to wanting to understand whatever it is I'm looking at, that's when I go, oh, yeah, this isn't healthy for me. What about you? Well, you see, as you were just talking about it then, it was like it felt really light. And then as you went into the obsession, it was almost like we'd gone to the dark side of the moon yeah, there. You know, exactly. it was like that. Yeah. Um, for me, it's that knowing of being so in tune with yourself to know that, do you know what? Actually, now the energy of this is now taking me in a different direction. Whereas before, as I was digging and delving into it, I was yes. happy that Mm -hmm. I was finding some answers. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not so sure it's providing me with satisfying answers. And one of my MG um, missions or whatever you call it is to this satisfaction. I need to be satisfied with with things. (laughs) And so it's just like, well, actually now I move away. It's time to take action. And this again is that balance of masculine and feminine because the masculine is about the taking action. So the feminine of let's look at this, let's nurture it, let's really kind of cajole it. But there comes a point where it's like, okay, and now let it go, move on, go go and cajole something else. For sure. It's a beautiful, when you're in that sweet spot, which seems to grow, um, the more you practice spending time in that place. But the, the sweet spot is where you allow the masculine and the feminine to work in harmony and in union together so you know and you can apply that to the creative process when as self-employed people uh, you're bringing something uh, into as an offering you want to be delighted by your creation you want to be inspired you want to be imaginative and playful with it and yet at some point you need pen to paper to actually put it out into the world and you do need a plan so both of them are working in divine harmony with each other, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you can never completely be in balance. You know, that's not the, the point. You are going to be imbalanced, <laughs> but it's the awareness of it, you know, and flicking from one side to the next. But again, that's the playfulness of life, isn't it? That's getting on that, that log, that tree trunk that's fallen in the forest and having a little wobble on there and falling off and getting back on. It's the same thing. We're, yeah. we're so connected in that way. I love it. I love it. Um, mm. Sophie, how can people get hold of your book? Okay, so I do not have a website yet, but if you are on Instagram, please follow me. My uh, handle is at I am Sophie Leone. And from there, you can send me a message and I will send you a personalised, doodled copy of the book. The book is £13.93. They are magic numbers. Um, And with that, not only do you get a personalised signed copy, but you get a mini artwork from Sophie, who's another Sophie, who's the artist who created the mothership on the front of the book. And it's a baby star that she's created and they are limited edition. So that's one way to get hold of the book. Or you can go on Amazon um, if that is something that suits you and um, and you can find the book on there. 
Or they can contact you, Dawn, and say, who was yeah. this amazing woman you interviewed? I need to know. You will signpost them to I me. I totally will. <laughs> what I'll do is I'll put all your details in the show notes. And when I share on Instagram and everything, I'll tag you so people can follow the lead that way as mm. well. And my email, you can put my email down as well. I don't mind receiving an email from people. Brilliant. <laughs> Sophie, uh, this feels like it's going to be the first of many repeated uh, interviews thank you so much for your time today I have been oh, delighted by your story really inspired and thank you so much for sharing everything that came for, up for you today thank you mm. so much it's been a pleasure speaking with you as well thank you so much for having me onto your space thank you for listening today and I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did if you would like to find out more about Sophie and her book, you can contact her on Instagram at I am Sophie Leon, which is L-E-O-N. To contact me, you can find out more about working with me on Instagram at dawnlusht underscore. And my website is www.dawnlusht.com. That's D-A-W-N-L-U-C-H-T.com. And if you want to support the podcast, please share this with your friends and family and it is very much appreciated. And finally, if you want to keep up to date with these conversations, my offerings and musings, then subscribe to my newsletter, which you can find on the front page of my website. Until next time, keep believing in yourself.